what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I do remember digging through my closet for some of those gnarly sort of old items that I still had kept for whatever reason from my high school years. And also I remember consulting with some of my friends, little sisters, uh, to be like, what are you guys wearing these days? And they gave me some advice. This is Jennifer Yang. She's a reporter at the Toronto Star, and she's talking about a story she worked on almost 10 years ago. And so I sort of got a tap on the shoulder from an editor. I think I was chosen because I just tend to look really young for my age. I get carded at the LCBO still. I'm now in my 30s. And they asked me to go inside one of these schools and basically be able to give a, you know, a fly on the wall account of what's happening inside these credit mills. Credit mills private schools Jennifer and her team heard students go to to raise their marks for a price. I'm not talking big, prestigious private schools with ivy and uniforms. These are small academies for the most part, sometimes in strip malls, sometimes online. I hadn't even heard of them until this story. But a decade ago, Jennifer gets this assignment to go undercover and find out what they're all about. So it's a July morning, 2011, Jennifer is getting dressed for school. She is 28, and she's starting her first day of grade 12 chemistry. I was super nervous. It really is awful having to relive that feeling we all remember from high school, where we're like, are the kids going to like me? Am I going to fit in? And right away, she notices something, a sort of attitude from her classmates. It was very clear that from the start that none of the students are there to learn. Um, They all talk very casually about why they're there, which is to get the grade. Over the summer, she got to work, doing double duty as a high school student and an undercover journalist. She had to walk this weird line between looking like she was trying, but then intentionally doing badly because she wanted to see if that lack of effort would matter in the end, if it would be reflected in her final grade. And so, on that final day of summer, when the teacher handed out the marks... So she showed up and she told me my grade, which added up to a 72%, and then she just arbitrarily gave me another 13 percentage points to bring me up to the grade that I wanted. And she said it was because she liked me and she thought that I had tried hard and she wanted me to do well. Um, But it was absolutely not the grade I deserved, given the very minimal effort I put into this course. (laughs) Jennifer tried to do badly, and she got 85%. I'm Macy Rowe. This is The Doc Project. It's been nearly 10 years since Jennifer did that story for the Toronto Star. But this issue hasn't gone anywhere. Today credit mills, the threat that some people are buying good grades, and what that really says about the state of education. Doc Project producer Julia Poggle is surrounded by teachers. Actually, she got her teaching degree before becoming a journalist. So education stories, they're kind of her thing. Julia is going to take it from here. 
I first came across Jennifer's reporting last year after that story broke about the admissions scandal in the U.S. Remember? Aunt Becky? The story's about American families who paid to have their kids' transcripts doctored so they could make it into college. My husband and I got talking about it. He's a high school math teacher. I was like, it's so nice our system doesn't allow for that. And he said, well, that's not really true. That's when he told me about the so-called credit mills and how frustrating it is when a student will drop his course because it's too hard or because they don't want to put the work in. Then later, he hears that student signed up for a private school and ended up with a very high mark. So I started looking into it. One year, a couple of students in one of my classes uh, left my class to take it elsewhere. This high school teacher knew exactly what I was talking about when I asked her about credit mills. She wants to remain anonymous to protect her students and her school. And for a price, they often will get a higher mark than they are getting in their regular day school. And I know that other people have had students who have dropped their course, gone to take it elsewhere, but come back to the school and spoken to the teacher and said, oh, you know, you're do, you teach it so much better than this. I'm learning. I learned so much better from you. Can I just sit in your class and audit? And no, you can't. You can't have it both ways. And these small private schools are big business in Ontario. Each course costs from 400 to over $2,000. In 2012, just after Jennifer wrote her story, there are about 950 private schools in Ontario. Today, there are around 1,400, and around 630 offer high school diplomas. I had a lot of questions about this. The kinds of schools we're talking about are accredited by the Ministry of Education. They follow Ontario curriculum. So how is it possible that the experience of going to one of those could be so different than a public school? Are these kids really just paying for an easy ride? Or am I missing something here? I started asking around, looking for some students to share their experiences of why they went to these schools and what they're like. And I wasn't having a lot of luck. And I'm not going to pass for a teenager, so that whole plan was out. But then I met Nama. My name is Nama Weingarten. I'm a journalism student at Ryerson. I'm in my second year. One day an email arrived in my inbox. I'd hit the journalistic jackpot. When I was in grade 12, I started working on a documentary about private schools in Ontario because the subject just really fascinated me. Nama is tall with long red hair. She's 19, graduated high school about a year and a half ago. And she had the access I was looking for. When she was in grade 12, she noticed a ton of kids in her grade were taking courses at private schools. Literally, <laughs> I'm not joking, like... The vast majority of my friends in high school decided to do it, and those who didn't wanted to, but their parents just didn't want to pay for it. A lot of my friends wanted to go to programs that required really tough courses, like functions, calculus, and they didn't get good grades, say, in grade 10, 11 math, all the courses that led up to that. And they were scared. You know, people want to impress their parents, want to impress their teachers, want to live up to their own expectations, and they were scared that they wouldn't be able to get into university. So I heard everyone starting to talk about, oh, it's okay, I'll just, you know, 
take that course next year in private school. And next thing I know, my entire friend group is doing it. Most of the people in my grade are doing it. At least that's how it felt like to me. A lot of people were talking about it. So all of a sudden, this motivated them to be like, whoa, you know, all of the people I'm competing with are also do are doing this private school thing. Maybe I should just get my parents to pay a grand or so and do it too. So for a grade 12 class project, Nama decided to do a documentary about these schools and the students who go to them. And Nama took this class assignment to the next level. So I got spyglasses that I found on the internet and <laughs> I just made it a little adventure. So armed with her spyglasses and her dad to make it seem legit, as she says, she set up some interviews at private schools, which when she called them, said they would help her get a better grade. Nama says it was obvious right away that a lot of these schools would do whatever it took to get her to sign up. Her spyglasses had a little recorder in them. She showed me the video. At this one school, she was meeting with the principal. She asked the principal, can she guarantee Nama get the mark she needs to get admitted to the school of her choice? And she looks at me and she says, all right, pulls out a piece of paper, writes the three course codes down and starts writing marks. All right, so this class, 92. This class, 94. This class, 90. And looks at me and says, I can upload these marks for you onto OUAC right now. OUAC is the online system that submits Ontario high school grades to universities. And that way you'll be able to get accepted to university before midterms. Giving her the grade before she actually did the work. The principal said she'd have to complete the assignments after and do the tests over and over again until she achieved the mark they gave her. Of course, Nama never signed up for this school. Over the next two years, from high school and into her first year of university, Nama stayed with the project. She interviewed friends and eventually strangers about their experiences going to these schools. When she reached out through some student university Facebook groups, she found a bunch of people who wanted to talk. Nama sent me the tape from her interviews with six former private school students who all graduated in the past few years. And these students held nothing back. It doesn't even feel like you're in school. <laughs> it feels like you're having fun with friends. It was like pretty much paying for the marks. Like For English, I barely showed up but ended up with a 90. A lot of people were joking around, not studying, not doing their work. It was kind of a joke. <laughs> First, Nama asked them about the difficulty level of private school compared to public. The effort level that I put into private school was maybe a fraction, like a small fraction of what I put into like public school and my other courses that I took in public school. I definitely worked hard, but if I took this in uh, public school, I would have to work at least four times as hard. Like the teachers, they it's not that they didn't teach, they did, and they did spend most of the class, if not all of it, teaching, but it's just they didn't care about how the students did as much as they do in public school. Like in public school, if you were to be getting a lower grade than you should be, the teacher would talk to you, offer you extra help, stuff like that. Whereas in private school, they kind of didn't really care, I think, because they knew everybody would end up with a higher mark anyways. I feel like it wasn't necessary to put an immense amount of effort into this credit because it was kind of like a, you paid 500 bucks, for example, you're guaranteed to get like a solid mark. Most of these students didn't want to share their names, but some did. Uh, my name is Karina Levin. I went to Blythe Academy and I graduated April of 2018. 
Blythe has campuses across Ontario. It costs around $2,700 per course. It's a school my husband and the teacher we heard from a few minutes ago knew a lot of their students went to. Karina decided to take data management at Blythe. She made this choice after just a few days in her public school data management course. She knew she wouldn't pass. So she dropped the course and signed up at Blythe. Karina says part of what was so helpful at Blythe was the small classes, lots of one-on-one help. But she also says the expectations were lower than in her public school. He would definitely grade a little bit easier. Uh, in public school, a lot of teachers would give take away half marks for spelling errors or for getting to put a therefore symbol in math, the three dots. This teacher was, I guess, more lenient towards those type of mistakes and wouldn't give away the mark. But I think that's the culture of private school in general. They kind of let you get away with small things. I got a 90 on my major assignment, um, which is crazy because I did it the day before. I definitely waited until last minute just because I thought that this teacher would go easy on us because I kept in my head, I just kept thinking, well, we're paying, we're paying you, like we're paying you, right? I called up one of Karina's friends from the data management course at Blythe. She did way better at Blythe than she did at public school. The year before at public school, she got a 62 in data management. At Blythe? She got a 95. She was shocked when she saw her report card, she told me. This student said part of the high grade could have been that she had a really good teacher at Blythe. But she says he couldn't have been that good. And then there were the tests. Some students said these schools were strict around testing. But most of the students said tests weren't really tests. If I had a question on the test and I wanted to know a formula or I wanted to know like a hint that probably would give me the answer to a question, then my teacher would give me that hint. So he gave it to us, he closed the door and he kind of went to the other classroom, leaving us to kind of do it on ourselves by ourselves. And nine times out of 10, or I should say 10 times out of 10, you would see people kind of like asking people for help. So it was mainly kind of like a worksheet we were working on that was being graded versus an actual like proper test? Well, it was during calculus and I didn't really know the topic that they were teaching. I think it was like derivatives or something. It was just something that I didn't really understand that much because I didn't really study. Um, And we had a test approaching and I kind of mixed up the dates. So I thought that I had more time and I'm the type of person who always studied the day before. But calculus, probably not the best idea since I don't actually know the information that well. Um, But the test ended up being a week earlier than I thought it was and I just didn't want to take it. (laughs) I was just like, well, a lot of people aren't going to show up, so why do I have to? So I just kind of didn't. I came back the next week and told him I didn't feel well, so I didn't come. And he gave me the test and I took it home and I didn't even do the test. I asked one of my friends who was really good at math to do it for me and then I got 100. So it was kind of like homework instead of a test, but it counted. (laughs) The part that surprised me the most about all of these students was how willing they were to talk about how they got their marks. It appeared so normal to them. And I mean, Nama and a bunch of the students said it seemed like everyone was doing it. I contacted all of the schools these students went to. 
Blythe Academy respectfully declined to take part in this story. My name's Julia Poggle. I'm calling from CBC Radio. Some of the other schools I didn't hear back from at all. Please leave your message after the tone. But a few were happy to talk to me. Yes, what's the question? From CBC Podcasts and The Fifth Estate, Brainwashed is a multi-part investigation into the CIA's experiments in mind control. From the Cold War and MKUltra to the so-called War on Terror. We learn about a psychiatrist who used his patients as human guinea pigs and what happens when the military and medicine collide. Listen to Brainwashed on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. I put some of what the student said to this man from Al Bors Educational Institute. It's a private school in North York in Toronto. One of the students who spoke with us went to Al Bors and said he put in very little effort and got a 90. I don't there, think so. But the man I'm talking to said that kind of thing would never happen there. Some of the schools are absolutely right. It's yeah. easier to get them out and go to school. But uh, not all of the school. Majority of the school, they don't allow that to happen because they care about the future of that student. Now, students, they may have basically, okay, it's, it's not a probably as hard as public school, but uh, it, it's not the level of the hardness is important. He's saying it's not the level of hardness that's important. That's the key. It doesn't have to be hard as long as they understand the course easily. I mean, I'm talking about my own experience. Hard is when you don't get it and nobody is there to help you. Hard is when you don't get it and no one is there to help you. I heard from the school where one of the students said she took home the test and had her friend do it, and she got 100. The school representative said he thinks he knows the event I'm talking about, and an internal investigation took place, and it's not an ongoing issue. He also says he knows of some pretty bad private schools out there, but his school isn't one of them. And one more school wanted to talk to me. Full name is Sanjit Kumar. I work at Ontario International Institute. I'm currently the principal of the school. One of the students we spoke with went to his school. That student said that in his experience, going to the Ontario International Institute felt like he was just paying for a mark. I asked Sanjeet about this. Mm-hmm. That it was extremely less rigorous mm-hmm. than what he experienced in public school. What would you say to that? Well, Again, as I said, you haven't shared the name or I don't know who the student is. So I really cannot go back and look at the student portfolio or something to kind of comment on it. We are expected by ministry, um, by inspection, also um, to maintain rigorous of the course as they would have been anywhere else. We teach from those... Sanjeet doesn't agree that his school is easier. He says they adhere to the same guidelines and expectations as public schools. And the curriculum is the same. It has to be. He had one of his students call me, Vishnu. And he told me he was really happy with his time at Ontario International Institute. He was planning to be a police officer. And with his co-op, he needed to squeeze in a few extra credits in private school. He said the teachers were great, and he worked super hard for his mark. Vishnu said he had heard from friends that certain private schools were a joke, but this wasn't one of them. Sanji does say there are certain advantages to going to a private school, which could result in better grades. Flexibility for when you can take the course, the smaller class sizes. Also, a large number of new immigrants go to his school. 
a lot of the time, first-generation immigrants, uh, immigrant parents. Um, and many of them either have language difficulties or they're, they're not able to kind of understand and navigate the secondary school system. Do you ever get that pressure from parents or kids that, you know, I'm not getting the mark that I wanted and what can we do about that? Well, to answer this question, I, I well, before enrolling into any courses, you... As a, as a guidance counselor, you need to sit down with the parents to kind of discuss, you know, what are their strengths and weaknesses. Usually the academic record would give you an indication of where they are strong, where they're weak, what program should and shouldn't they be pursuing, right? Um, and that's where the communication comes into play. So you've never experienced any pressure from students or parents to, to kind of help them get a better grade? Well, to answer this question, as a, again, I... The students are under pressure to perform academically well to get into university. Uh, I think the critical way that you to uh, you know to make sure that as a school you maintain the integrity of the uh, the credit and your program is to give them course outline, give them an assessment. How would they assess? Give them periodic updates. Give them you know descriptive feedback. There have been some changes since Jennifer, our Toronto Star reporter, did her story 10 years ago. Not only are there hundreds more private schools, but regulations appear to be tighter. After a scathing Auditor General's report in 2013, big changes were made to the private school system. A unit at the ministry was created to better monitor private schools. Inspections became more regimented and detailed. And according to Sanjeet, these inspections are thorough. They would come in and they would um, usually start with the teacher's binder. So teacher's binder is the, you know, the, that gives them an idea of what um, the teacher is actually teaching. Then they would usually take a student's binder to see there's correlation between teacher's daily lesson plans and assessment to what the student is actually doing. So they really want to see if the teacher is doing actually what they say If the school doesn't pass the ministry's tests, it's shut down. Five Ontario private schools lost their accreditation last school year. And something else has changed. Universities are getting wise. I called up the admissions officers at two universities, Ryerson and Waterloo, and both say there's been a big jump in the number of applications coming from private schools. And they know some of these schools are fantastic, but not all of them. Another big shift is in the number of students coming from out of country, many specifically just to get Ontario high school diplomas. Managing this growth in applications over the past few years has made the University of Waterloo totally reorganize their workflow so they can make sure the people who are getting into their school deserve to be there. The ministry would not grant me an in-person interview. They said over email, a private school cannot receive credit granting authority or legally operate under any name until they have been validated to ensure that they meet the definition of a private school. And they reminded me about the inspections. I asked them how they feel about the allegations from the students. That despite the inspections, things still are much more relaxed than in public school. They did not directly respond to that part of my question. Okay, so let's take a step back. What's for certain is our education system isn't perfect. In public high school, there are good and bad teachers too. Everyone can remember that bird course from their high school days, or that one teacher was harder than another. 
But I want to step even further back to what's really driving all of this. This hunger and anxiety around getting high marks. Something that Nama said really struck me. The idea that university is a given, a must for many kids. I think it was in grade 10, like second semester, when we already had an assembly about like, this is how you apply to university. And the high, my high school had such an emphasis on like making sure we apply to university. I'm pretty sure people who didn't apply got like called down to guidance and stuff like that. Karina, who went to private school to up her grades, basically did it because she was panicking about her future. It was it was paralyzing. Yeah, I think the stress um, completely ruined the fun of my grade 12 year. I had stress 24-7, whether I was in school or at home. Um, I was constantly worried about my grades and how much I was studying in comparison with other people and if I was going to get in to other schools with my marks. And looking at this as a student, like, I get it. I get it. I feel like most students would just agree that not getting accepted to university is just that much worse than having to ditch your morals a little bit and go to these private schools. So where does this leave us? Well, it left Jennifer, our Toronto Star reporter, concerned after her time in that private school 10 years ago. You know, I really worried about my classmates. This one girl who had a 20% or something like that in this chemistry course at her regular school and also, you know, was not at all trying in this private school class and ended up with a 75%. She wanted to be a nurse. And I just thought about her in nursing, you know, in university or in college, and there was just no way she was equipped to handle that kind of uh, workload or sort of academic rigor. And I thought about all the money her family was spending on these courses and that they would spend, you know, enrolling her in a college or university. And in the long run, this was not helping her. There's this hope that school is supposed to prepare you for the real world. But if we're setting up students to believe there's just one acceptable path forward, what sort of real world are we creating? We often talk about this at at school, the definition of success. And is success passing a course? Is success getting a high mark in a course? I went back to that teacher I spoke with at the beginning. And from her perspective, there is a much bigger issue here. Where will these students end up in the long run? I mean, as a parent and as a teacher, what I want is for students to do their best work. And if their best work isn't 95, then let's be happy with what their best work is. And let's find a realistic path, if that's their interest, where they can be their best, rather than always chasing an elusive mark that is really going to be very difficult for them. The idea is we want to get, we want to show them how to learn how to learn, right? I like to tell my students, you know, my job is not to answer your questions. My job is to help you answer your questions. And many students don't like that. They just want the answers. <laughs> I have three sons and one student went, one went to university and two are, one is an HVAC guy and another one, he's an aircraft maintenance engineer. And that was a one-year college program, and he's doing some pretty cool stuff. So, and and they're happy. They're, they've found something they like. They're independent. They're productive. 
I think that's what we hope for our children. <laughs> and I, I, I do worry about some of these families where that's not, that's not the goal. The goal is you must be this, you must be that. Whether you're suited for it, whether you're good at it, whether you like it, it's, uh, uh, that can't be easy. So how are things working out for the students we talked to so far? So like in chemistry, which was always my weakness, I didn't have a good foundation in high school. So I had to like review all this stuff myself, which I was bad at already. It resulted in me like ending up with a C in total in the course after studying like super hard for it. Uh, I actually had to drop two, ma two of my hard math courses in first year because they were so advanced. And I think that um, my private school did not prep me enough for these courses. That's probably why. I failed and had to drop two of my math courses in first year university. It did help my average and it did end up getting me a higher scholarship. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten scholarships. I got like, I don't know, a huge scholarship at the start of the year, like $4,000. I mean, do you think this is fair? Definitely not. Why not? Because, you know, some people are literally just getting into universities by paying for their courses. It's sad and it's unfair for other people, but I'm grateful because I got to go to university and I'm struggling, but at least I got to go. That doc was produced by Julia Poggle with additional reporting by Nama Weingarten. It was edited by me, AC Rowe. The scope of this issue is larger than what we could fit into today's episode. It's worth noting that while most of these schools exist in Ontario, Ontario high school students apply to universities across the country and internationally. Also, we only briefly got to touch on how universities are dealing with this, but Julia's investigation went deeper. You can read about it on our website. That's at cbc.ca slash docproject. If you like today's show and you're on a podcast app where this is possible, like Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review us. We see them and we really appreciate them. The Doc Project is produced by Allison Cook, Kent Hoffman, and me. Althea Manassin is our digital producer, this week with Jonathan Orr. Our senior producer is Julia Poggle. I'm AC Rowe. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.